2022, we saw a number of crypto platforms collapse. It's not even worth mentioning all of their names at this point. But you could argue that no company has taken and endured more scrutiny than Tether. But this quarter, they made $700 million. Their market cap has increased by billions, and they seem to be the big winner of all of the contagion, including the collapse of actual United States banks. I talked to one of my favorite consistent guests, Paolo Arduino, about everything that's happening at Tether, how they came out on top, and how they've managed to continue to grow the business in the face of so much adversity. That's dope. That's dope. But Paolo, I think you're going to need to uh, rename yourself Neo, like the Matrix, because of your ability to dodge every single bullet that's thrown at you. It's been never-ending Bud and bad news around the industry, about Tether, about stable coins, yet your assets just keep rising and you guys keep chugging along. And what's going on, man? Yeah, well, I think that uh, the fact that we have been so scrutinized and uh, we have been, I think, really the company most scrutinized in, in the world at this point, right? So all like we have dealt with all the regulators that ask us questions. We have provided so much information. Uh, we have proven, you know, with the tens of billions in redemptions in just a few days um, and a couple of weeks at maximum last year that our banking was solid, that our serves were solid. I mean, today, right? So it's the last day of March. And uh, um, so it's the closing of the first quarter of uh, 2023. Um, we announced that the last quarter of 2022, we made in profit $700 million. And this, pro uh, this, this quarter, we are on track to beat that, right? To, to beat that uh, quite heavily. And so, I mean, we, and, and that money is staying in the company, right? So the majority of that money is staying in the company. So we have... Now around $80 billion at reserves, plus we have an additional, you know, 1.6 to, you know, something more in additional reserves that is our company equity. So I think, you know, we proved with so many actions, um, you know, with dodge of the bullets, we have provided transparency. Um, we have been, I think, good asset for the industry. We keep developing opportunities for bitcoin we we really are simple people committed to a mission so I, I think i don't know what we can do more i think that there are many things that we can do better i think we we want always to get better as any human being um but uh, i'm pretty pleased that for so many times that uh, tether you know has been given for that um and uh, we have seen, you know, Terra, Celsius, Voyager, Genesis, FTX, and, uh, you know, BlockFi and so many other companies actually being that, um, you know, they were considered the heroes of the industry. And the Tether was always considered like the black sheep, like a bunch of, uh, you know, random guys, you know, uh, you know, making a risotto, you know, cooking pasta and then suddenly <laughs> and, and having to deal with the billions, right? So. In the end, we demonstrated that we didn't have exposure to to uh, the U.S. banks that uh, that uh, crumbled in the last weeks. Uh, we 
there isn't a simple, right? So keeping unsecured cash in a bank deposit is extremely naive, especially at this moment in time. And so, you know, uh, we, we, we just, uh, have a important exposure to T-bills, you know, we use the repo market to protect ourselves. And the good thing about T-bills is that whatever happens, there are securities. So you are secured as a, as an investor. So they will always return to you. That's the way to protect your customers and users, my opinion. Right. So you obviously mentioned FTX, Voyager, BlockFi, Celsius, the endless list somewhat of crypto companies, as you said, that were heroes and failed over the last year. But I think what a lot of people didn't have on their bingo card was Silvergate Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, right? Um, Now we're really seeing a lot of the things that the crazy Bitcoin, quote unquote, conspiracy theorists screamed about for years, right? Is that banks can collapse to fractional reserve banking doesn't work in the era of social media and fast information transfer because people can can try to withdraw $42 billion in 24 hours, which is obviously what we saw. So how, I mean, you talked about being in in T-bills, your competitors were not, right? So we sort of saw USDC wobble a few weeks ago because they had over $3 billion in one of those banks that I mentioned. Did you take your money out of those banks or were you already approaching it as if banks are risky and that was your strategy in the first place? Because I think it caught a lot of people off guard that, now you have to worry about not only is your stablecoin backed, but is the bank where your stablecoin is banking backed? Yeah, and you know, look, um, we didn't have um, real exposure. We didn't have any direct or indirect exposure to um, Silicon Valley, Silvergate, and uh, and Sincher. So we have been always careful in uh, you know leaving all the money in. Um, uh, on uh, U.S. banks, honestly, because we have seen what happened in 2007, 2008. That uh, was how Bitcoin started, right? So this is the entire the reason why you and I are talking today is because there was this uh, technology and idea and currency and philosophy created, you know, because everything that happened in 2007, 2008. And then you can argue that, okay, and after that, uh, Bitcoin started growing and he would imagine that uh, banking would become smarter, right? So instead, you know, how a bank like Silicon Valley could have so much invested in municipality bonds, right? So it's, it's like <laughs> you, you are invested so heavily in 10 to 30 years municipality bonds that yield 1.5% over, you know, per, per year. And, you know, of course, what happened there is that um, you know, in 2020, when the U.S. deals were yielding zero, these banks were always trying to, um, you know, create an interest or gain an interest from from their from their investment. So they have to go with something riskier. But um, you know, you remember we spoke, you and I spoke a few, few times already now, right? And you remember that at that time, you know, Tether had the commercial papers. Um, you know that those commission papers were written A1 or C, so they were yielding, you know, 20 basis points compared to 1.5 term, 1.5% of the municipality bonds that these US banks were yielding. So for all the, you know, accusations that Tether had, even when we had the commercial papers, they were three to six months to maximum nine months maturity. So super short maturity. Plus they were yielding much less. So 
the interest is related to the risk, right? So higher risk, higher interest. It's simple as that. It's simple math. So we were extremely, well, I shouldn't say we were surprised, but in the end, we were not surprised that in the end, these banks uh, were, again, doing the same mistakes that uh, were made in 2007, 2008, or they came to life in 2007, 2008. So yes, so Tether always was careful and is careful in picking its um, its banking partners. It is, for us, it's extremely important. Plus, it's extremely careful on how much uh, cash, un uninsured cash, we leave in a bank, right? So, of course, um, is th that is, I think, the key. If the bank goes bankrupt, you have to have the guarantee that you can get all your money back. And so that, plus the fact that we have, we are coaching to have, you know, 1.6 and more billion additional equity, uh, it's giving us the comfort that, you know, whatever, ha whatever happens to our banks, we are going to be safe. And that, that is the best thing you can do because we have seen what algorithmic stable coins were capable of, right? So everyone now says we have to go back to algorithmic stable coins. Sure. Did, did you already forget what happened to Terra Luna? I mean, the problem with algorithmic stable coins is that as soon as they become big, as soon as they become like uh, significant in terms of size, there is no space to liquidate their collateral. And their collateral is another token that, you know, if you find five, 100 buyers on the market, is you're lucky. So instead, I mean, if my point is, if you want to recreate the dollar, right, and you want to make it big, you have to use the banking system. You have to have something as your reserve that is matching the underlying or the, the the pegged currency that you want to represent, that would be the dollar. In our case, is US bills, right? We cannot have 100% of the portfolio in Japanese yen or in Japanese yen bonds. Doesn't make sense, right? Because we are representing the dollar. How we can, you know, guarantee that we can uh, redeem if we have like uh, an enormous exposure to something else? Yeah, you talk about having to be insured for your deposits. I mean, in the United States, FDIC, well, we'll see now moving forward, but $250,000 per account. There's about 4,000 banks in the United States, which means that if Tether were to, you know, put a insured amount in each account, you'd be able to get to about a billion dollars if you put $250,000 <laughs> in every bank in the United States. So that displays exactly the problem that you're saying here, right? If you want to make sure that your reserves, which are in a bank, are fully backed, you would literally have to bank in every bank in the world that had any sort of insurance and still not be able to get there. So it makes the math almost impossible. You talk about then going into T-bills, which obviously is considered the least risky asset arguably on the planet. But what prevents you guys from getting trapped also in T-bills that were yielding 1% or 2% when the rates go up to 4 or 5%, which is obviously why we saw some of these banks fail? Well, the point is using short maturity TDLs, right? So, of course, if you go on the you know, 3 to 10 year to 30 year TDLs, then the yield curve is extremely steep there because you are in a situation where, you know, over over one year, the, the Fed can change the, 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 the interest rates really dramatically. But in the course of few months, that uh, will never happen unless the Fed tomorrow decides to hike the interest rates to you know ten percent in in one month that the entire system will collapse. But at the same time, 
on the tether side, we have we are growing this enormous buffer. That's why this buffer is there, right? That's why we keep accruing a buffer in tether that is our own capital that is there to protect for the unforeseen events, right? So that that is also important. So short maturity TBLs so that you are protected from the interest rate spikes and potentially, you know, hiking on additional high code interest rates. I can tell you that, you know, in 2022, that is a great example, right? 2022, Terra Luna situation, we had to pay out $7 billion in 48 hours. We used the TDLs, we sold the TDLs, TICO zero in the market, we know the leverage, no problem at all. We didn't lose a dime and uh, you know, we were able to pay out daily all $7 billion in 48 hours. So I think we that is a great example the, of, uh, of, of risk management. Plus again, keeping enormous buffer in the billions of dollars as part of the company equity to protect our users. So you could almost argue that you're over collateralized because of the extra equity and, and money that's sitting there accessible if something happened, but it would take quite a black swan. But it's interesting, you know, the idea, I think it was Taleb in Anti-Fragile, who's now, of course, a Bitcoin hater, but the idea is that people, when they manage risk, generally only manage risk based on the black swans or terrible events that they've seen in the past, but not looking forward to the completely unforeseen ones that were not predictable that could really explode the system or become massively problematic, which is why risk management generally fails for these banks and such. They're looking at 2007, 2008, what happened there? Let's protect against it. But they're not ready for the problems of 2023. Are there any huge potential things you could see that could happen in the future that nobody's accounted for that could become problematic for you, for the banking system, for any of them? Well, I mean, the the good thing about Tether is that Tether has to do what the dollar does, right? The US dollar does. So it's not that we have to protect from the inflation of the dollar, right? So we have just to represent and keep representing the dollar. So in a way, our job is simple, right? So we, and also by, uh, we we should never go in fractional reserve, right? So that is the other important thing. I think the both the scrutiny that we had but also the original idea of tether remember we we instead of created the entire concept of stable coins right the entire idea is if, if everyone wants to get the money back you have to give it back to them and so that's exactly what tether is about is about uh, you know before before the interest rate hikes tether was uh, making for sure good money was profitable but was not this profitable. Of course, we could have gone long Tesla, right? So someone could have said, well, you know, you have so much money, go long Tesla. Uh, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is keeping that money safe. And that's the entire problem with fractional reserve. So I understand why banks are doing fractional reserve because they can create so much additional value to make the economy spin more, right? So if you are like, for example, a bank in the US, and you want to support startups, you want to support like uh, um, small, big uh, enterprises. If you go fractional reserve, you can give out many more loans, you can provide much more capital, the economy will run faster. The problem is that it's all fun and games until someone loses an eye, right? So eventually, uh, you know, if we have seen now at, you know, distance of 12, 13 years, we have seen again, we are again in the same situation. And I think 
we should start realizing that properly fractional reserve banking is not properly working as we intended or as we thought. And I think a stable coin is a great way to, um, you know, to, to, to protect uh, the users or give them an optionality to still hold the value in the currency, but have access to, to full reserve. And um, that's, that's, I think, what I like. And our point of view is that we are now using um, extremely sold, uh, solid banks, but it's not that, you know, you should never trust 100% bank. Yeah. So the, credit, the name of the Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank are, uh, yeah. you know, are very uh, reliable large banks. You just never know. That's sure. sort of the black swan I'm talking about. I agree with you. Yeah. I'm just saying that's, you know, if Goldman or JP Morgan or you know, Wells Fargo disappears, it'd be highly problematic. Go ahead. The name of the game is trust no one, right? So keep everything in T deals, you know, and um, um, Tether has some investments also in, um, in precious metals that will be gold. That you know, you could argue that if there is a huge black swan, gold will go up immensely, and so in a way, you can still protect your customers. And we are doing that without you know, and uh, with the in, the more we grow, the more we can protect the customers. That is all part of that. It's not that you never see you know our name on stadiums that cost like hundreds of millions of dollars and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. All that is marketing. It doesn't matter. It's not helpful to people in Turkey, in, uh, in Venezuela, in Argentina. You know, all our markets are there. And so they don't care that we are the most cool looking brand in the world. They just need to see, to know that their money is safe and they can use us right Ivan. Yeah, I mean, I've often made the argument that the stablecoin has been the killer app for crypto. People say there's no killer app, but to me, it's been stable coins. And what you just touched on is exactly the reason. Bitcoiners love the idea that people in hyperinflating economies would rush to Bitcoin as their store of value. And I think we all wish that was true. But isn't the reality that people in those countries want access to dollars and they can't get it unless they go on the black market and you know take a massive haircut trying to buy it. So they're using stable coins as their replacement for access to dollars. I mean, to me, that's been the story of crypto that people don't tend to tell. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, I'm a, I'm a Bitcoiner, right? So <laughs> I'm uh, by for for some people, I also consider a Bitcoin maxi. But the reality of things is that, you know, in the, in emerging markets, developing countries, they don't have the time to speculate, right? So it's not for them, it's not trading, it's not so of course there is some speculation, there is some trading, but the majority of people have an urgent need. And the urgent need is not getting killed by the local currencies, right? They have the Turkish lira depreciating 80% against the dollar or the Argentinian pesos and so on. So all these all these people, they need a stable coin, they need, they will go to USDT. And honestly, it it, it just makes sense. But also think you you name the black market. Right, the black market you would were used to get in you know spreads of one hundred and fifty percent, right? So you would you would need to pay one hundred fifty percent more to get dollars. You know, stable coins and tether are you know that are available on standard um, on ramps and off ramps in within the countries like Argentina, Brazil, and so on are completely killing the black market. Now you can access to USDT with like, you know, 3% spread, 6% spread. So that's a great story. That's how you actually help 
people to not get um, uh, killed by by these black markets and uh, you know and all these crazy things. So, but yes, Tether is uh, definitely the winner there. Um, Bitcoin, I think, is the next step. Is the second stage. First, you people need to protect themselves, protect their limbs, life savings. Then, when they are more relaxed, when they are their families um, and wealth is uh, it's safe, then they can look around and see if there is something better than than, than right. stable coins. In the end, Bitcoin is tether is centralized, right? So we'll never have that thing that Bitcoin has, where you no know, whatever happens, right? You have Bitcoin is always there, right? So Tether is centralized, but is a better, is a much faster way to access the dollar. And that is the immediate need that these populations have. On top of that, there is Bitcoin. That is something that they are looking into as well, but is requires more education, more effort to learn. I mean, to the old adage, right? I mean, fiat is for spending and hard assets are for saving. And now we have a better hard asset, but it's not a new thing that people would save their money in gold, but spend their fiat currency before it inflates. I mean, that idea doesn't change, but it's nice to hear you at least say that you support Bitcoin in that way and that that's your feeling on it. Obviously, we've discussed that many times. I want to talk about pegs because I think there's so much confusion in the market as to what the true peg is and what the peg is on an exchange, right? Obviously, there's been times when USDT has traded above or below a dollar on an exchange. USDC was trading down to 85 cents a few weeks ago when uh, the Silicon Valley bank news broke. Were those actually DPEGs or is a DPEG only determined by redemptions directly from Tether or Circle? So um, this is a really great question, right? So in 2022, in May, um, Tether traded for, for a brief moment below par, below on the secondary market, so on exchanges, traded below par. Um, and then went back up, right, almost immediately. Um, the What happened there, we talked a few times that I was invited also in your show, uh, what happened there is that uh, you know the um, doing the benefit, so the way to keep um, the peg, let's say let's call it peg, on a secondary market on a on an exchange. First of all, is not dependent by the issuer, so Tether cannot do much on a secondary market on an exchange, right? So those are market makers that can buy a cheap stable coin, so we don't par on an exchange, come to the issuer, redeem for one dollar, move the dollar back. To the exchange and so on and so forth until the spread goes back to zero and all is fine. And so that what happened with 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 Tether. Um, also, Tether had for a long time traded above the dollar, and you know when there is a lot of demand, would the Tether trades above the dollar on the secondary markets. So a market maker would buy Tether from the primary market, so from us, the issuer, and sell it on the secondary market, and the sale pressure will bring back the tether on the secondary market towards one is market dynamic is so simple is a question of forces so there is pressure on the upward side there are more issuances there is pressure on the downward side there are more redemptions is simple dynamic so i think what happened recently with usdc is likely different because in that case people thought usdc didn't have any more 3.3 billion 
right? So I think people could, what we're pricing for a moment, um, the, the fact that, he, that uh, Circo could have lost uh, that portion. And so again, market is simple. So market will always tend towards the, uh, um, the, towards pricing the asset for the public information that people have. And I think it's fair. And uh, I think the FDIC stepped in and I think the FDIC said, we are going to cover all the holes. And so the market has started to relax, right? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Do you think that there was ever a risk for them that USDC could blow up as people were saying, listen, I'm not asking you to make a comment on a competitor. You just happen to have, you know, intimate knowledge of how this actually works. Let's say that the FDIC had not stepped in to backstop all of these banks and we had seen question mark as to that 3.5 billion or whatever it was. I mean, to be clear, they, they still probably would have gotten 80 or 90% of that back. It just would have maybe taken a lot of time. But I think the bigger problem would have been that that would have triggered a further bank run to some degree. So do you think that they were really like hanging on the edge of blowing up or do you think that it was largely people panicking well, I think if the FBIC wouldn't step in, that would be extremely difficult for them to recover. And uh, I'm not saying it lightly. And also, I think that even for Tether, that would be extremely saddening. Um, I spoke in the last few weeks, I spoke a um, few times about this, right? So if we think about the stablecoin industry as, a stable, as an industry, you don't want to have a thing. You don't want to be the only company in the industry. It's not anymore an industry. Is there is only your company. And so, you know, lawmakers don't make laws for a single company, for a single use case. They make laws for an industry. So we actually would be detrimental for Tether to be alone in the market. So we don't like that. We hope that uh, our competition can, uh, you know, improve risk management, can diversify their banking. That is uh, a big hit because also that affects the entire crypto industry. It's not just about stablecoins, right? So we don't uh, we don't think we should be the only game in town. We think that uh, the industry has enormous potential. Uh, there is a lot of things to discover, and uh, so. But I think that if the FBIC wouldn't step, um, didn't step in, they would have um, big. We there would be big troubles. That said, so let's say for some reason, a bank or someone like a competitor is in trouble. Is there a upper limit to how much inflow Tether would be able to take at a given time? We always talk about the downside, but what if there was demand right now for you guys to have a trillion dollars or, you know, $120 billion, $500 billion all at once flowing in from somewhere else? Well, I think you know, in the, the recent weeks, we, we grew more than 10 billion. Of course, it's not the numbers you are talking about, but uh, our banking is extremely solid. Um, I think, uh, you know, you, you know, uh, was public information that we started working with extremely uh, important banks and, uh, and, and primary brokers. So, you know, we, we are relentless. We are, and, and we are paranoid. Right. So the way we approach things is that we don't like to wait for things to blow up in our faces. And we always trying to find a better solution, um, a better, you know, a, you know, a more, more safe approach to everything we do. Right. So I, we think that uh, also Tether can be perfectionate and, you know, think, you know, the market is irrational and, uh, uh, 
especially as you said at the beginning of, of, uh, of this chat, you know, we are in the era of information and information goes really damn fast, right? So, so you have always to be, um, to, 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 you know, think 10, 10 uh, moves ahead. And uh, so I, I think that Tether can grow really widely um, if necessary and if the market has the need for, for this move. What we are seeing really, and is one of the reasons why Tether is growing um, a lot, is that uh, there is some concern in the US that uh, crypto and stable coins are not well seen in the US. Um, this is the you know, Operation Choke Point 2.0 or whatever you want to you want to call it. And um, this is a growing concern among many people in the industry outside of the US that we're banking in the US, right? So that is also making them think about Tether as a safer option. And so that's why we're seeing enormous influx as well. So it's important. I think it would be extremely saddening if uh, um, uh, it was discovered that in the end, the US was really and is against crypto because it's a great technology, can be extremely helpful has been proven to be helpful so many times. And uh, I mean, the US is considered the, you know, the country always at the forefront of innovation and not being part of the story of the, the crypto story, I think would be an enormous loss. I think it's already too late, to be honest. I hate to be a pessimist, but with everything that's happening and the speed of innovation in crypto, it's all happening offshore and we're gonna be so far behind in the United States, sadly. But I, I want to talk about, we obviously had the FTX explosion. They were a huge exchange. Obviously, there's all kinds of FUD around the other exchanges, the CFTC attacking Binance, the SEC potentially attacking Coinbase. Is there any single sort of, if an exchange went down that could dramatically affect your business? I think we all understand how it would affect us as individuals. But if all of a sudden all Tether, you know, trading volume and demand disappeared from Binance overnight, for example. We just keep, so our business model is simple. If for tomorrow, there is no need anymore for Tether, right? Imagine the worst case scenario, right? Tomorrow, everyone decide that um, they don't need Tether anymore because there is a, some something new, cooler, faster, better, uh, that uh, would work, um, you know, perfectly with, uh, you know, magically even, right? Let's, let's say Tether is not needed tomorrow. We will just give back the money. So I wouldn't even feel threatened, right? So our role is not trying to have the, the closest grip to, to, to this money. We have to serve the industry. If there is a better, we are also pragmatic people. If there is something better tomorrow, you know, we uh, tether market cap will go slowly or fast down and it's fine, right? So it's not that good. You know, we have to be the biggest stablecoin forever for like uh, the next 1,000 years. That's not the whole point, right? So uh, we think that technology will always improve, and uh, our our simple job is to be there to be helpful. And uh, you know, also you know, I hope that at point, at some point, Bitcoin will be more and more adopted as the standard currency of the world. But you know, so far, I mean, I think that there is an Indian school and. Uh, uh, extremely um, uh, well prepared to to risk management. I mean, you talked about the fact that you guys made seven hundred million dollars in a quarter. I have to imagine that that's the benefit of Fed tightening and higher interest rates, basically, right? I mean, yeah, largely. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it's not magic. We have we, have, we are uh, we are around the twenty eight or twenty seven biggest country in holding uh, T bills in the world. I think we are between Australia and Mexico or or above Mexico nowadays. I mean, it's it's uh, and of course, if the interest rates are going up, uh, of course we, we we make more money. But you were still a successful business when we were effectively in a negative interest rate or no interest rate economy as well. So how were you still making money and staying afloat at that point? We had issuances or redemption fees. So we are the only stable coin that have ten basis points in issuances or redemption fees. Um, and also we, the, the assets that we had were yielding, you know, between five and 20 basis points anyway, right? So the, of course it's different from 4%, that's <laughs> a huge difference, but you know, we are a lean operation and we were still profitable anyway. So I guess talking about black swans and worst case scenarios, we sort of mentioned what would have happened if the fed didn't step in and backstop, which is by the way, historic action violating a hundred years of central bank sort of views and policies and unwinding tons of previous legislation and regulation. But what if the worst case happens and there's bank runs around the country and they can't backstop them and it goes worldwide and all of a sudden we have, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of people on the planet that don't have access to their money from banks? Well, I mean, um, uh, non-financial advice, Tether and Bitcoin will go really high in price. And unfortunately, that could even happen to Tether. I mean, really. Like where it's priced way say... above a dollar. Yeah, where it would be priced yes, way I... above a dollar. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I really don't want anyone to start speculating that Tether will go above the dollar. Absolutely not. But really, but in general, the, you know, the market dynamics are unpredictable. So, you know, it's uh, but definitely i think bitcoin will go to seven gazillion dollars in that case <laughs> yeah and we'll be living in like a mad max dystopian future where nobody yeah. wants to uh live if it goes that far but but yes that that makes a lot of sense so i mean in that world i mean do you really think i don't think it's going to happen but i mean ju just even if a little bit of that happens do you think that we can really start to see actual mainstream adoption of Bitcoin. I mean, we've seen price go up as the bank stocks have gone down, as is bad news. But I think it's kind of clear that's really crypto people moving into Bitcoin and not probably grandma and grandpa, right, in middle America. So do you think that any of this, what's happening, has raised awareness for Bitcoin and could get the mainstream to really start viewing it as that safe haven asset? Look, I mean, in the future you're describing, Keep in mind that if that happens, there will be wars and um, and similar arrests all over the place, right? So, and it's, I, I think in really an apocalyptic world, Bitcoin will really go um, high in crimes because that's the only thing that will guarantee that you will keep your own money for yourself. And I think it's um, it, it's it, it's exactly so. I think Bitcoin, if I have to describe it, is the money for the worst case scenario, right? So mm -hmm. it's um, until things are perfect, and they are today far from be perfect, right? Especially when we th think about our condition. There are many other countries that are in much different conditions than ourselves, of course, but. If these conditions, if the you know unrest and the, the financial issues 
will start propagating widely around the world. I think the uh, the geopolitical situation is that Nitty will completely crumble, and is the only direction for Bitcoin is out. Is there a situation where the T-bills that are the safest risk-off asset in the world that you guys are invested in also blow up? Because that would well, be that would be the end game for Tether, but also <clears throat> for the world. So, well, Tether has to do exactly what the dollar does, right? Remember, it's not that we have to beat the dollar; we have to respect the dollar. Right. So, if the dollar exploded, all bets are off, and yeah, you're moving back to Bitcoin. Is that when we get back Bitcoin back stable? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's we have a tether gold, right? So we have XLT and uh, is 100% backed by real gold bucks. I mean, that's the thing about tether. We always think about the worst case scenarios and we want to give options to people like us that always want to hedge themselves. It was interesting going back to the point about people in countries with hyperinflation. I was listening to CZ speak uh, in Dubai about a month or two ago, and he actually pointed out that at least half, I think you said, of Binance accounts are not people who are trading. They're literally using Binance as a wallet to effectively use stablecoins. We have to, you know, also, I have, you know, most of the time I have my Bitcoin uh, hat, but there is an issue. So I'm the first one that pushed for self-custody. But we cannot pretend that every single person in this world is as educated as the people living in and breathing crypto. So there are a lot of people that, you know, in, in the world, there are 2 billion people that are unbanked. And since they are unbanked, they're most of the time that are not even super familiar with the latest technological innovations. So pretending that everyone from the get-go start custodying their own assets with their own private keys, of course, would be perfect, would be amazing. I would love that world. But it cannot happen from one day to another. And until then, it's normal that people that hear about stable coins, they hear about uh, Bitcoin, they want, they will use a centralized service that will require an email, a password, and that's it. It's normal. We we have to you know uh, be intelligent about our expectations as uh, in and uh, about the, the growth that this technology can have. And it's also our job to try to make the life easier of whom wants to custody their own assets to do it safely without having the risk of losing them. So it's all about the user experience and us as a technology builders should be doing a better job because now we are not doing a great job either. Is there anything left that the regulator or legislators or any of these countries can do that you think could fundamentally affect you? I mean, do you think that the United States could attempt to completely ban Tether or something like that? I mean, of course, is uh, you know everyone can do whatever they want. Uh, we have you know we are not servicing U.S. customers, and also I believe that uh, one important note, as I was saying, uh, believe it or not, well, I mean the facts are on our side. We are helping the hyperdollarization of the world, right? We are reaching all the countries that uh, the U.S. dollar is uh, having trouble to, to reach because the, the banking infrastructure is too slow and is too old, and so I think. Um, on the other side, the U.S. Uh, is actually looking with good eyes at Tether rather than uh, being, being afraid. I guess then the last question, speaking of centralized authorities, would a central bank digital currency be a threat to Tether? 
Um, again, I don't think so. First of all, I I've been talking with a lot of people in in part of different uh, central banks around the world, and everyone, every central banker wants to say that they have, you know, they are having a pilot. So every central bank has a pilot for CBDCs. Okay, but they are scared. So on our side as citizens, we are scared because we 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 think that it will become a dystopian world. But on their side, they are scared because the moment you put out and you start placing cash with a CBDC, you cannot take it back, right? It's not like you can go and say, well, I was wrong, sorry, take back your cash. It doesn't work like that. So the, the problem is that you cannot predict easily all the consequences from the big banks, small banks, all the citizens, all the businesses that will start using this system. So actually could be an enormous threat to the country stability using the CBDC. So that's what I hear, right? So it's not that they, they really want to, to, to look cool and they want to show that they are actually researching this stuff, but it's the huge putting jump. that in action is really, really risky. And there are some countries, small countries, they don't have any, anything to lose. They have a quick right. initial currency, and so they right. will they will do it. But Europe and US and or Japan, yeah, mm, I agree. It's much I agree. I don't. I, I don't. I agree. I don't see it happening. And I guarantee, if it happens within one year, it will be a major hack of one of them. <laughs> could be possible. I mean, yeah, we've seen it in crypto, right? A million times. Yeah. So there's an incentive, and smart people are going to find a way. So you take all your money digital, wait till one day somebody issues a couple extra trillion dollars and start airdropping <laughs> them in everyone's wallets, and we're going to be a Mr. Robot. Yeah, I, I mean, I just got to say, I, I just love seeing you guys continually just come out on top, no matter what happens. It's it's like a, it's a great spectator sport, I think, for anybody in the crypto space because we've seen so many collapses and you guys just keep winning. So it's really awesome, man. So thank you for everything that you do. Where can everybody follow you uh, after this conversation? On Twitter at Paolo Arduino and for Tether at Tether underscore Thank you very much, Scott. Always a pleasure. Thanks, man. Awesome.